0: church tips the daily show designed to give you practical ideas and strategies you can use to get better break barriers and grow the church thanks for joining us today now here are your hosts dick and jonathan hardy
1: hey i want to welcome you today jonathan hardy here with chase replogo my friend chase is the lead pastor of bent oak church the host of the Pastor Writer Podcast and the author of this brand new book, The Five Masculine Instincts. Chase, welcome to the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've yeah. uh, been a longtime follower of Leaders.Church and kind of been around on the
0: margins some, so it's uh, it's cool to actually be in the content, not just consuming yeah, the content I know. Well. We're kind of so,
1: coming on a different side. You've yeah. been behind the scenes helping us at different times too, which has been super helpful. And uh, you guys have to pick up this book if you have not yet heard of it or read it yet, the five masculine instincts, Chase, I'm going to jump right in. In chapter one, your title of your chapter is, oh, missed the page there. Men, meat, and the masculine malaise. Tell us a little bit about why you talk about meat in this book. Well, there's
0: there's some really interesting studies. Believe it or not, this is actually an area of academic focus. Why men eat more meat than women? Uh, some studies say that men eat as much as 57% more meat than women. I don't know if that's true in your family. It has been true in my family, <laughs> Probably, for sure. I'd say. Uh, but there's a whole bunch of debate around why that is. Why do men eat more meat than women? Some people think it's marketing. It's related to a kind of caricature we created within. Culture. Hmm. Others think that it's evolutionary, that there was a moment in biology, in our biology, where it changed because men began to hunt more. There are some who think that an all meat diet is the source of restorative health for men. And there are others who think that eating too much meat is causing global warming and risking human existence. <laughs> well, I've that's been it. reading about
1: the carnivore diet lately. Yeah, so, so you know, I mean, you know, so you're, I'm interested. <laughs> so I,
0: I basically try to make the point in the book, if there's this much controversy around why men eat yeah. more meat than women, well, what else is confusing about being a man? There's yeah. also a great, there was a study out of the University of Hawaii where you'll love this. They they told men that they were uh, interacting in a study on an ordering, a uh, pizza ordering app. So in other words, they were interacting on the interface about this app. But really, it was a test of this whole theory, why men eat meat. Yeah. And so they had the participants take a personality assessment, and it didn't really matter how they answered. Half of the men they told had scored in line with other men, and half of the men they told had scored in line with female participants. Hmm. There weren't female participants. Their answers didn't matter. They made it up to create what the study literally calls a masculinity threat condition. So that's the scientific for They questioned their manhood, <laughs> and then they kicked them into this app to order pizza. And what they found is the men who had had their masculinity threatened ordered more meat on their pizza statistically than the men who hadn't and so there's this whole area of focus around why men eat more meat and Interesting. i think it's it, again <laughs> try to raise the point if there's this much debate about that question yeah well what else is being debated about being a man today yeah there's a lot
1: well tell us a little bit more about that controversy as it relates to masculinity overall
0: yeah well I'm a pastor so I understand uh, as a man myself I grew up with a brother I've got a son I have men in my congregation so I've watched the way over the last few years as you know, even putting the word masculinity in a book title, all of a sudden, makes it somewhat controversial, regardless of what's yeah. even written on the right. page. Right? Yeah. The topic itself feels increasingly controversial. Yeah. And I've watched the way as pastors, a lot of us have have kind of avoided the conversation. It seems culturally acceptable to have a talk about women and to build strong women's ministries, but you feel like you're risking something if you try to build a men's ministry or talk about manhood in mm-hmm. today's culture. So, what I wanted and I hoped the book would be would be a path for leaders but also just for men to navigate some of that controversy and find uh, a path towards just greater christ likeness the cultivation of character yeah. and we wouldn't just sort of keep digging the same trenches deeper and deeper but particularly as churches find a way through that controversy to talk about manhood again
1: yeah I mean, I think that's so needed today more than ever you know it just seems like everything is degrading men and um, and so as it relates to men you talked about men's ministry you know that's one of the things I, I've observed with all the churches that we've worked with a lot of people will have women's ministries but they don't know how to reach men you know they you know it's like well and, and you even hear people talk about um if congregation members talk about hey well we're doing this for women's we're doing this what are we going to do for men and you know wh- what are ways that you've seen that can help churches reach men? Yeah. Uh, Well, first of all, I have a
0: lot of sympathy because it is
1: hard. All the statistics
0: tell us men are participating in church less than women. They're participating in own private faith less than women. So I never mean any of this as a a criticism because I get it as a pastor myself too. But um, men feel defensive right now. We've sort of been talking about this. They're skeptical of anybody who's trying to cure their masculinity. I'm using that language because it feels like the cultural conversation. So I think you have to go into it knowing that if men sense that you're selling them something or you're trying to change something, although we obviously are trying to lead them to Christ and build better character, if it feels like a project, men tend to be reluctant to that. The other thing I would say is, pay really close attention to the questions and the conversations men are having in your church, and they're probably not the ones you imagine. We've spent a lot of time talking to men about m- male sins. Uh, sometimes we frame it as money, sex, and power. Okay, Those things are certainly important, yeah. but they're they're not the things oftentimes men find themselves wrestling with. They're asking deeper questions about why are the, those particular temptations real in my life? Yeah. Or they may be having cultural conversations that are completely <clears throat> off your radar. I've got a, a list I keep on my computer of just stuff that I know particularly young men are talking about. And you may roll your eyes at some of the topics, but it tends to be things like UFOs and conspiracy theories <laughs> and psilocybin. And we can go down physique. and we go down oh, a long list. Yeah. I'm not saying you have to preach a sermon on those or like <laughs> create – I mean, I didn't write a book on those particular things. Right. But being aware of the things that are culturally interesting for yes. that men is an important part of just being able to exist in that place with them and then have a conversation about the things of faith in a way that matters. Uh, So we're really, we're in a different world when it comes to men today than we were 15, 20 years ago. And as pastors, we've
1: got to be able to know that and be a part of that as well. Yeah, that's good. I really like that concept because if you go straight to a sermon on porn or all these different things that men struggle with, I mean, while we want to solve the problem and help reach them, Uh, you know, you've got to first start by identifying where they are. My experience has been that men are keenly aware of how they're
0: falling short. They're not, it's not that they can't imagine a better version of themselves. They wish they were. The thing they're running up against is no matter how hard they try, they don't seem to make progress towards that thing that they're aiming their life at. Mm -hmm. So when we come in and simply say, you're not being who you should be, you're not living the way you should be. Most of them are going, yeah, 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 I know. Yeah. Can you not show me a path forward? And that's why I've been trying to have a conversation around character. How do yeah. we build internal character as men so that we can bear those responsibilities, culture, the church, families, and these right. two
1: better? Yeah, and, then, and that's better than alienating them, which yeah. is what would often happen. So talk to us a little bit about what the five instincts are that you talk about in the book well a little bit like we were
0: saying um instead of coming to the topic saying here are the five sins that men struggle with mm-hmm. what i try to do with the book is say the book is say here are some of the instincts or impulses that may be at work within a man's life that he's not even aware of c s lewis defined an instinct as behavior as if from knowledge so in other words you yeah. act imagining that it's rational and you've decided and you understand why you're doing it when in reality you've probably never stopped to consider why it is you act that way or why you intuitively, instinctively respond that way. Mm-hmm. And so the book takes those five instincts actually from a famous Shakespeare play, As You Like It. There's a famous line, all the world's a stage. People know that yes. one. It goes on to describe these stages of a man's life from a schoolboy on to what we might imagine retirement years. Yeah. And those stages, the five of them in the middle that he, he depicts really are images or pictures of these kinds of instincts or narratives that we live out as men. So so I gave a word to him, so it'd be easier. Shakespeare uses a picture. I use a single word and I pair them with a biblical character. Yeah. So those five instincts are sarcasm, the story of Cain, adventure, the story of Samson, ambition with the story of Moses, reputation, the story of David, and apathy with Abraham. So mm-hmm. sarcasm, yeah, adventure,
1: yeah. ambition, reputation, and apathy. Yeah, that's awesome. So how does paying attention to these instincts uh, as a man How's that going to help them then grow? What, what's the what's that next step look like?
0: Yeah, well, the book actually uses uh, a model from the Apostle Paul's writing to Timothy. One of the great things about Paul's letters to Timothy is. In other of Paul's writings, he writes to whole churches. You know, when he writes to the Romans, he hasn't even been there yet. When he writes to the Corinthians, it's this community, this network of churches. But when Paul writes to Timothy, he's writing to a young man that he knows really, really well, who's serving in Ephesus at a time when it's a really difficult assignment. And so you get this really personal advice Hmm. from Paul to the young man, Timothy. And one of the things Paul says to Timothy is he says, make sure and show the progress you're making. So in other words, show this character, this growth of virtue, Christ-likeness in your life. That should be evident. And then Paul sums up that progress by saying, and you'll do that by keeping a close watch on your life and a close watch on the teaching. Um, Teaching here is a shorthand for doctrine or gospel. So in other words, Paul says to him that the way you'll make progress and demonstrate that progress is by learning to pay close attention to your life, your motives, your instincts, your desires, and then also paying close attention to what you have in Christ, the message of the gospel that you've received. And it's by pushing those two things together that sometimes we keep separate, uh, working those two things together. Paul goes on to say, and it's by this you'll save yourself and your hearers. In other mm. words, you'll bear responsibility as a pastor well, and you'll serve well. Yeah. So the reason I think a conversation around instincts is particularly important is, number one, culture is not helping us with this conversation. Right. Everything's external. Right. Everything's about expectations. Yeah. Who teaches you to look inside and understand and then yeah. challenge the things that are inside of yeah. you? Yeah. But also because this is Paul's advice to a young pastor mm-hmm. in a really difficult assignment on how he'll serve that congregation well, lead well. Yeah. He'll do it by understanding his instincts yeah. and by applying the things of the gospel to it. And so that yeah. little model plays out for each of the instincts yeah. and the characters I try to show how's that instinct possibly at work in your life and how do you check that instinct with something you have in Christ, an intentional practice of faith mm-hmm. to make sure that that instinct is not in dominating you or you're yeah. blindly indulging it. Yeah. That, that for me is a path towards character. Cool. Bearing better responsibility, right,
1: right, and the better our character can be, more like Christ, then the better off we are.
0: Yep, and the so, more the more we serve well. I mean, that's Paul's point. You'll save yes. your
1: those you're responsible for by
0: character. So yep. your family that you're a part of, the church that you're yep. serving, the community you're in, yep. And that's the thing I think men are looking for mm-hmm. to go back to our conversation. They're looking for us to give them a path to say. You don't have to live stuck in the same sins. You don't have to live in this shallow cliche of sitcom masculinity. You can actually become the kind of man, by Christ and the power of the gospel, that can bear responsibility, that can serve well, that can lead well. Um, And I hope this book is just a starting point to get men
1: down that path. Yep, awesome, I love it. Well, as it relates to uh, our audience, which is primarily pastors, ministry leaders, um, how can they use this book in their churches or ministries. Yeah, well, I hope the book gives language for men to be able to have more meaningful
0: conversations around these topics. I think about books, books that are really successful, I think, do this. So um, maybe a close parallel, like the five love languages. I think part of why that book has done so well for people is it gave us the words to be able to have conversations with a spouse, where before that might have been tension. Uh Now you're able to say, no, 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 I'm looking for words of affirmation. And that language facilitates a better conversation that leads to improvement. I hope these five instincts give men and the men you lead in a church that language, those tools to mm-hmm. discuss and better understand, maybe even across generations. Yeah. So I've worked on a whole set of tools to go around the book. Okay. There's a PDF study guide that has personal reflection questions just, as well as group uh, conversation questions. There's a video series that goes along with it. There's an online assessment that you could take anytime. You don't have to have even bought the book. Uh, 25 questions that'll help you maybe discern which of these five instincts is most prevalent for you at the moment. Yeah. And then there's also a YouVersion uh, devotional and read Bible reading plan that goes along with each of the instincts. So maybe between group sessions, there's a reading plan that each man could kind of spend more time throughout the week focusing on. So, and hey, if you've got new ideas, I'm happy to hear them, and add them (laughs) in as well, too. That's a lot of great resources. Yeah, I just want to be able to make it a book that, again, you could pass out to the men in your congregation Mm -hmm. that would help them personally grow, Mm -hmm. but also would help move the conversations in your men's ministry, in your homes, in your churches forward for men. And again, to kind of come back to where we started to maybe take the controversy out of it and yeah. say, how do we as particularly Christian men just focus on becoming better
1: men? That's yeah. really what we need right yeah. now. No, that's really good. Can, um, can churches get together and have like meat while they read the something. <laughs> Whatever you want to okay. eat while you're reading <laughs> that's, is that's totally like, up to you. Let's so, get yep. some meat. <laughs> well, hey, guys, you have got to pick up your copy of this book. And I would actually encourage you to buy some bulk copies if you can, because this is great a great book that's going to be a huge for, a resource for the people in your church. So pick up one for yourself. But man, get 25, get 50 copies for the people in your church. It will be a huge blessing to you. Um, obviously, you can uh, check out the five masculine instincts.com. Yep. Google for, it. You'll find it as well. Yep. Too. yep. And uh, that's where you can go get all the resources that Chase was talking about. Uh, but then, as well, you can get the book there. You can go to Amazon, get the book there. Uh, but I really want to encourage you get this for you, get this for people in your church, for the men in your church, for your men's ministry, uh, the leaders, your, your church board, whoever it is that is a man in your church, they need the five masculine instincts. A book by Chase Replical. Chase, thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. Really appreciate all your insight and uh, uh, hope that the book continues to go well. Yeah, thanks. Happy to do it. And you know I know men well because there's also an audiobook version. Okay. So you'll <laughs>
0: encourage all the men in your church, they can just listen to it as well. There so we no. go. And thanks, yeah. thanks for having me on. I yeah, love it. it. Love it.
1: That's awesome. Hey, thank you so much for being with us today. We'll look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, be blessed. Hey, Jonathan here, real quick before you go, did you know 71% of pastors report being extremely stressed or highly stressed? 90% of pastors feel worn out working between 55 to 75 hours per week. And then get this, 70% of pastors say they have a lower self-esteem now than when they started ministry. Can you relate to any of that? In reality, everything in your ministry rises and falls on your leadership, so investing in your leadership is essential to staying healthy and growing the ministry. And that's why I want to invite you to join us inside the leaders.church membership. It's your opportunity to invest in your leadership. This online streaming service for pastors gives you access to more than 300 videos plus training material to level up your leadership and improve your ministry skills. If you're ready to give your leadership growth a boost, simply go to leaders.church/boost. Again, that's leaders.church/boost. Well, thanks again for joining us today on the Church Tips podcast. We'll look forward to seeing you next time.